From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we offer analysis on top stories out of our radio newsrooms across the country. On Deadline today is a surprise attack in the Middle East that left thousands dead and thousands more injured. Outside Israel's borders, people across the world are feeling the shock and fear that come with sudden destabilization. Experts say the body count is only going to increase, which has many bracing for what's next. The situation began Saturday, when the Palestinian militant group Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israel, bombarding the country with thousands of missiles that were able to make it through the country's famous Iron Dome. Hamas also stormed the country from numerous directions, infiltrating the border from land, sea, and air. Militants infiltrated 22 Israeli towns and army bases and took civilians and soldiers as hostages. Seemingly, no one saw it coming, including Israel. Immediately, countries around the world announced support for Israel, including the United States, the UK, Germany, Italy, and Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who is facing his own war after a Russian invasion, shared on social media that his own battered nation stands in solidarity with Israel. United States Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said, quote, Our commitment to Israel's right to defend itself remains unwavering. There's more than meets the eye in that statement. The Hill explained that the attack on Israel could actually be seen as a deadly message to President Joe Biden from Iran, which supports Hamas. The Hill added that the Hamas invasion, the worst attack on Israel in 50 years, shows that Tehran is increasingly willing to damage U.S. allies and, in effect, try to weaken American influence. Bruce Gentleson is a professor of public policy and political science at Duke University. He also previously worked in the State Department on the Middle East peace process. He joined Odyssey in Louisiana to untangle the messy and deadly situation. So Hamas is the terrorist group that controls the Gaza Strip. Over in the West Bank, the other side of Israel, it's another Palestinian group that, that's in control. And there have been lots of attacks before, you know, a few rockets you know, and the like. This is the most serious attack that's ever happened. They penetrated the Israeli barrier in seven different spots. They launched over 2,000 rockets, and Israel has this Iron Dome missile defense, but it kind of overwhelmed the system. And you know, i got to tell you, I have a very close friend and colleague in Israel who I've been in text and email contact with, and he's worked at the highest levels of Israeli national security and the Ministry of Defense, intelligence, and he said he's never seen anything like this, either from his professional point of view or the concerns he has for his family. So once they got through the barriers, and they also approached from water, correct? Water, apparently paragliders, um, you know, there was, you know, there was an assumption that a group like Hamas could do scattered attacks but could not mount an operation like this. And, of course, there's going to be, why didn't Israel know? It has, you know, quality intelligence. How much did the uh, current government of Israel, which has been more provocative and more anti-peace than any other government, how much did that contribute to the situation? You know, it's a lot, really, a lot of questions still out there. The State Department says at least nine Americans have been killed, a number unaccounted for. There may be hostages. So an awful lot still, still to find out. Talk about, if you will, the coordination involved in something like this. Is Hamas behind it? Is Hezbollah behind it? And the difference between those groups? 
So Hezbollah is the Shiite group on the northern border in Lebanon. Hamas is, uh, you know, in the Gaza Strip on that sort of western side of Israel along the Mediterranean Sea. Iran may have provided some support, but it's fundamentally a Hamas operation. And, you know, when you do intelligence, and, you know, when I've been in government, I've had all sorts of security clearances. You get all this information that you consider classified. It's from human sources. It's from electronic. But sometimes you make assumptions like, like people do in everyday life. You know, oh, that person can't do this. They're not capable of that. I just know it. And that kind of seems to be what was happening here. It may have been they didn't have enough information, but they'd assume, well, we've seen Hamas before, you know, they're not capable. And there are a lot of real questions there about, well, why didn't you know that, that this was being planned? It was a fairly sophisticated military operation. And how much was you didn't have the right information? And how much of you, you kind of put on, you know, shutters about what you thought people could and couldn't do? And that blocked out whatever information might have been available. Uh, what about involvement of Iran or other countries? You know, Iran provides support for Hamas. There's a lot of efforts in the United States now, including by political figures. Oh, it's all about Iran. You know, I think that misses the point. You know, the point really is Hamas and the Israelis. And the Israelis have been trying to find some peace and, and diplomatic relations with a lot of Arab countries around them. Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, you know, who had been commanding general of the Israeli military in the 1967 war that Israel won, and a prime minister in the 90s who pursued peace until he was assassinated by one of his own extremists. Rabin used to say, there's no guarantee that peace will bring security, but we will never be secure without peace. And I think that's what we see here, that you know, you can have relations with Jordan, Egypt, maybe even Saudi Arabia. And peace with the Palestinians is a lot harder now, 30 years after Rabin, than it was then. But his you know, sense is a hard core military man who understood what you could do with military power and what you couldn't still bears upon the situation. The attacks on Israel have left many wondering how the nation's intelligence community failed to predict this would happen. This failure comes as the Biden administration has been continuously working in the region to strike a peace deal with Saudi Arabia and Israel. However, the invasion by Hamas has now made the possibility of peace even harder. Political analyst Lincoln Mitchell joined Odyssey in the Bay Area to discuss how this attack left the country blindsided. This is horrific, what's going on again in Israel and Gaza. The attack by Hamas took both the United States and Israel by surprise, which surprises all of us who are watchers. How did this slip past intelligence by both countries? I thought our intelligence was pretty good there. Well, we also thought Israel's intelligence was pretty good there. So how it slips by, you know, it's too early to know. But in the next few weeks, once this first phase of the war kind of passes, someone is going to have to be held accountable in the Israeli government. This is 50 years almost to the day after the Yom Kippur War when Israel was caught by surprise in 1973. And now this happened again at a day when they really should have been paying attention. And, you know, Israel has a parliamentary system. And when a government in a parliamentary system has an intelligence failure like this, a national security failure, the honorable thing to do would be to resign. Now, Bibi Netanyahu will not do that because of his own legal problems and all of that. But this is a very serious intelligence failure by the state of Israel. Let's talk uh, for just a minute about Iran. There are at least one congressperson claims that Iran is arming Hamas, that they are responsible for the attack against Israel. Do we know if that's true? And if it is, what are the implications? It seems as if the Biden administration is trying to soften relations with Iran. Well, we will know within some time here. What we do know 
is that a Saudi-Israeli rapprochement, which the Biden administration was working on, which we were close to, would be very bad for Iran. Saudi Arabia and Iran are regional rivals. Saudi, of course, is a major Sunni power. Iran is the major Shia power. And they have been rivals in the Middle East for, for some years now. And an Israel-Saudi alliance is very bad for Iran. So they have a stake in this. They have certainly been deeply anti-Israel, you know, basically for since, since 1979. So there's no surprise there. The, the concern here is escalation, right? Because we, what we saw yesterday, we talked about the intelligence failure, which also mentioned that this is an attack on Israel from Hamas that is very different than previous ones. It's not just missiles flying into Israel, which is, you know, bad enough if you're sitting in Israel, right? But it's people coming across and actually kidnapping people, you know, taking them from, you know, civilian events. And, you know, I don't mean to say this like this, but there's a very good chance those people will will be killed. Yeah. And that means that the Israeli response will be qualitatively different than in the past. And Israel is not known for mild responses in this situation. And the prime minister has made it clear. And, you know, Hamas may have had in their minds a, a good 24 or 48 hours, but in the long run, it's clear who will win this conflict if it's the state of Israel. If it's the IDF versus Hamas, versus Hamas, Israel will win. So the question is, will Iran get involved? Because that may be the only card Hamas has to play. And if that happens, we are talking about a much, much bigger war in that region. And given the state of the rest of the world, this will have fallout in, in Ukraine and potentially in, in Asia as well, where, again, if China, Xi Jinping has been talking about invading Taiwan for a long time now, and if he's ever going to do it, this is about as good a moment as he's going to get. The worldwide implications here are just chilling. I wish we had more time to discuss it. I, I am going to ask you a, a question. I'm hoping you can answer fairly quickly, though it deserves more depth. That is the change since the Yom Kippur War, the change between the relationship between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Has there been any improvement at all? Well, you know, there was a moment, late 80s, early 90s, where it felt like it was potentially moving in the right direction, the agreement that Bill Clinton put together in 1993. But in this century, I think the trend has been that the conflict is getting worse, the tension is rising, and this, what we've seen in the last 24, 48 hours, will make it exponentially worse. So, I don't mean to be so optimistic on, on a Sunday morning, but I don't think that's why you bring me on your show. But no, I don't think this is going to get better. And I think that the trend line is very, very bad here, particularly in the bigger picture in the longer run. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller shared on Monday that nine U.S. citizens were among those killed and that there are still some who are unaccounted for in the country. Minnesota native Mark Cohen was actually in Israel when the fighting started. He was there to mark the passing of his wife's father, who died while fighting in the 1973 Yom Kippur War. On Monday, Cohen joined Odyssey in his home state to discuss what he saw happening and how he was able to escape with his life. Take us through what the last, you know, 48 to 72 hours have been like for you uh, and what you've seen, what you've experienced there, Mark. Sure. So I think for Americans to understand this best, let's think back to 9-11. Total shock. We were all with our families on Friday night. It was a Jewish holiday here, and on the next day, people were going to be celebrating. And we woke up, we were in Tel Aviv, and we woke up to sirens and booming. And we know, having lived here long enough, what that means. What we did not understand fully was the scope of the operation of Hamas. And to put it in perspective in terms of what happened that first day and why I say 9-11, it would be as if, given Israel's population, the fact that close to a 1,000 people, the vast majority of them civilians, were 
basically executed and murdered in their homes, it's 10 times larger. That would be the equivalent of 30,000 Americans having died on 9-11. And as soon as we understood the magnitude and the scope, the country immediately began to unify, and the army has been sent down south. More than 4,000 Hamas rockets have been sent over into Israel. My wife and I were just volunteering in a restaurant kitchen for the last five hours, making meals for soldiers. And during that time, we had to stop and go into a bomb shelter uh, because rockets are being fired. And I want to emphasize, these rockets are not being fired at military targets. They're being fired to kill civilians. And unfortunately, In this conflict thus far, Hamas has succeeded likely beyond its wildest expectations. The irony for people like myself who believe that the Palestinian people deserve a home of their own is that when it comes to Gaza and the ruling Hamas party, they came to power by force. Israel basically evacuated that territory in 2005 and handed it over to the Palestinians to begin the process of state building. Having done that, Israel has experienced multiple missile attacks, but nothing like what we're experiencing right now. Mark, I think it's really important what you just said for Minnesotans and Americans to understand that. Gaza is not and has not been occupied by Israel. Israel completely removed every single police officer, uh, even the Israelis that were living there in 2005. So this happened when the Palestinians that are living in Gaza elected Hamas as their government. Hamas is a terrorist organization, so I don't know how free and fair the elections were. But I think it's important for people to know that this is not a response uh, because of the occupation, because Gaza is unoccupied. Yes. I mean, that's a very important point, Jordana. And frankly, when Israel left the Gaza Strip, it was a very difficult decision because people were living there and they were uprooted. And the infrastructure that Israel built there was left and turned over to the Palestinians, greenhouses and so on. And people talk about the difficult conditions of Gaza. That is very true. The question is, how did they become so difficult? When Israel left those territories, they were relatively open. As soon as they evacuated, though, within a year or two, rockets were fired at civilian targets in Israel. And therein lies the problem. Hamas has no interest in a Palestinian state. Their interest is to kill as many Israeli Jews as possible. That has always been their interest, and it continues to be so. And unfortunately, they have had dramatic success over the last three days. Mark, why now? You mentioned there was a, a holiday this weekend, but not that there's any obviously justified or appropriate time to launch a terrorist attack. But why this weekend? Why now? Do we know that? I think there's a lot of conjecture. I think it's fair to say that Hamas would not have done this without the backing and the green light given by Iran mm-hmm. and its proxy, including Hezbollah which is a terrorist organization in the north with whom Israel has fought a number of wars. And a lot of people believe that as Israel makes rapprochement with Arab countries and is on the cusp of signing an agreement with Saudi Arabia, that Iran wanted to do what it could to kibash Israel's integration into the Middle East. So that's one very strong theory. And I should add for for your listeners the incredible support that President Joe Biden has given to the Israeli people. He spoke directly to the people. 
there are aircraft carriers moving in this direction, not to fight for Israel, but to be able to provide the weapons that are needed so that we can defend ourselves. That's all we ask, is that we be given what we need to defend ourselves. Now, days into the war between Hamas and Israel, thousands have died and undoubtedly more still will. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu even warned Israelis to brace themselves for a long and difficult war. He added that Israel's military had begun the offensive phase and would continue with neither limitations nor respite. The U.S. has promised military support for Israel. So far, that's been accomplished by sending F-35s and F-16s to patrol the eastern Mediterranean. But retired four-star General Barry McCaffrey told Yahoo News that if Iran or Syria becomes involved and Israel is overwhelmed, the U.S. would consider, quote, actively intervening with air power and naval power. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Berry, and I want to say thanks for listening to the On Deadline podcast, Odyssey's deeper look at a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts to stay informed.